this interview was supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Beatrice. Beatrice had no role in the selection of the topics or the selection of the speakers and has not vetted or reviewed the content of any of the interviews. The views expressed by speakers are their own and may not necessarily represent the views of the IMS. Hello, I'm Dr. Marla Shapiro and I sit on the board of trustees of the International Menopause Society. And today I'm joined by Dr. Lisa Larkin. Dr. Larkin, can you introduce yourself to our audience of providers? Thank you very much, Dr. Shapiro. So I'm a women's health internist in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm also president and CEO of Ms. Madison, which is a women's health company in the United States dedicated to advancing women's health care. And I am president-elect of the North American Menopause Society. I'm on the board of trustees. Pretty thrilled to have you. We're going to be talking about breast health. And I want to take us in a little bit of a different direction than just talking about breast health in general. How we as providers can really look at breast health in our women on an individualized basis and what we mean by that phrase, individualized breast health. Well, right. So one of the things that I think we do very well in medicine is think about risk when it comes to cardiovascular disease and identifying people at risk. And so we have kind of a precision medicine or an individualized approach to cardiovascular disease. In breast health, we really aren't doing it that way right now. As you know, that all of the published guidelines across the globe really are age-based. They're not risk-based. So we recommend screening for breast cancer in women, depending on the guidelines that you follow between age 40 and 45, either annually or biannually, but it's not based on risk at all. And so this really is a one-size-fits-all approach to breast health. And what we really need to do is get to a way where we are individualizing risk assessment for women so that we can have a much more tailored approach to both prevention and screening. So when we think about that, if you're sitting opposite and, and we as a provider are looking at our patients, what factors should we be thinking about specifically that make this more on an individualized basis, both modifiable and non-modifiable, that should really shine a light bulb more so on some than others. Right. So that's exactly right, Dr. Shapiro. So, you know, instead of just thinking about reminding all of our patients exactly the same way, get your annual mammogram, what we really should be doing is looking at the patient sitting in front of us, the woman sitting in front of us, and thinking about that woman's both individual risk factors, both modifiable and non-modifiable. So certainly the modifiable, and I think we don't do a, a enough to really educate women about their modifiable risk factors is really largely focused on lifestyle. We, we think about lifestyle for cardiovascular disease. We don't do a great job talking to women about the same risk factors, diet, exercise, alcohol, weight management for breast cancer prevention in the same way we do for cardiovascular disease. So it's really education of patients and really talking to them if they have lifestyle factors that are contributing to risk. And then there's the non-modifiable ones, right? So there's lots of reproductive factors, you know, age of puberty, age of menopause that you really can't change. Then there's breast density, which is really now known to be a very specific risk factor. So women who have elevated breast density, it puts them at higher risk. And we really need to be identifying those women who have the highest category of breast density because the risk, increased risk for them for developing breast cancer can be two to six times the average population risk. 
And so again, there's many things, and then genetics, of course, we didn't talk about that, but certainly we know that there are genetic factors, although the minority of patients um, have family history or genetic factors. Most women who develop breast cancer, it's called sporadic, but all of these modifiable and non-modifiable things taken together, we should be kind of looking at that individual patient in front of us to give them a better sense of what their risk is compared to population and what they can do about it. So as a clinician, is it you know going through a tick list or do you recommend that we use specific models? What can we do to make sure that we're really going through some kind of algorithm to make sure we're complete? Right. And so this is really the, the problem because you know it's time consuming. And in many circumstances these days right now, primary care providers and gynecologists have very short office visits. But what I would suggest and what I tell when I'm talking to clinicians about this is the first and foremost thing is to have a standard way to look at family history of all women, right? We're supposed to be doing that, but that's one of those things I know as a busy internist that gets kind of missed many times, right? So having a way that at least annually or your staff is really doing a good family history to make sure that we are finding those women who are at elevated risk based on genetic reasons who might benefit from genetic testing. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and what I talk about is, you know, there are these risk models that we can use in practice. Now, the problem is most clinicians aren't trained in them and don't really feel like they have the time. They're not easily incorporated into our electronic health records. So what I really say is if you have the time and you think that you can do this on your annual visit with your women is pick one um, risk uh, model that we use. So you can use the Gale, you can use something called the Tire Cusick and try to use that routinely as part of your annual visit. If you really can't because you don't have time and you're, the way that your practice operates, you can't incorporate that, my advice is really to identify those women who on mammography have elevated breast density where it says extremely dense breasts, because those are the 10 or 15% of women who we know have at least double their risk of breast cancer. And if you can at least identify those women and do risk assessment on them, that's really a great starting point again. And hopefully, you know, as things move forward, we will have much more easy ways to incorporate these risk assessment mod models into practice. Um, but right now it's kind of cumbersome. Certainly, you know, unlike ASCVD risk scores, which I can type in a dot phrase in my electronic health record and get a score, it's not that way with breast cancer risk assessment. So if you look at the future, before I let you go, because I want you to look in your crystal ball and tell us, what do you see happening in the future that will allow us to be more precise and really offer the concept of precision medicine when it comes to breast health? Right. I, I actually am very excited about this space for women and for clinicians. I think this really is rapidly evolving and we are in the next five years going to be able to do a better job and have risk models that A, are easily applicable to women that are validated in populations, both in white women and in women of other ethnic um, uh, persuasions. That's the first thing. The second thing is we now, in addition to having hereditary cancer panel mutations where we are finding genes that are associated with risk, there now are these new things called SNPs, which are much more common. These are single nucleotide polymorphisms, which are base pairs in the DNA that are flipped. And we now know that there are many of them, a collection of about 300 that are associated with increased risk. So when taken together, these put women who don't carry a mutation at elevated risk. So between risk assessment modules, um, better use of cancer genetic panels to find women at high risk, and now these SNPs, I believe the future in the next five years is we will really be able to tell women 
much, with much greater detail and accuracy what their risk of developing breast cancer is, and then be able to help them talk about lifestyle to lower their risk, and then really identify those women who need additional screening and who might benefit from medication to lower their risk. Exciting times ahead. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.